0: It's time to step into the sin bin. This is Penalty Box Radio. Three-time
1: Best Sports Blog winner.
0: With Justin Bradford. Town time and
1: Music City Best Sports Reporter.
0: And Glenn Blackwell. Brought to you by E610 Athletes. It's time to talk all things hockey in the Music City. Penalty Box Radio is on. Smashville's Best Sports Talk. ESPN. 102.5 The Game.
2: Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. It's our Stanley Cup Playoffs Preview Edition. Justin Bradford coming to you. Producer Josh behind the glass. We are joined in studio by Michael Wade, George Matarangas, and intern Danielle. Glenn Blackwell on assignment with her day job, which is at night. So that's kind of, there's that. But welcome, boys, to the studio and lady. Appreciate y'all being here. And... uh, (laughs) It's a fun time. Sleep is not going to happen anytime soon because we're in the central time zone and play in the Western Conference. So, this is going to be an interesting series coming up. We have so much to dive into, breaking it down analytically. Then, I'm going to ask our analytics experts to take off those analytics hats and really challenge them to look at the eye test and what their emotional gut feels for (laughs) this series. yeah, You choking over there, Michael? You, you good? You good, bud? I'll do my best. <laughs> <laughs> so we have a lot to discuss here, and we have so much content on PenaltyBoxRadio.com, lots of podcasts, stories analyzing this series, a great series preview from, from Cutler-Klein, a great breakdown as well from Michael Wade. So all different things that you need to prepare for the Stanley Cup playoffs, we have that. So let's dive right in to see how the Predators got to this point, because it was really funny when we are getting up for the Central Division Championship, and the Predators, just two weeks ago... How many people thought that they had a chance of winning the Central Division? George, did you think that was possible?
0: I thought it was going to be the Blues all the way.
2: <laughs> Same yeah. here. And it was close. Michael, did any inkling that the Predators were going to win the division? Uh,
3: you know, you can never count them out when, I think we discussed a little earlier, Winnipeg just totally, I mean, wasted every opportunity they had <laughs> to run away with it. St. Louis, yeah, I thought they were coming in hot at the end. But, you know, when you see Nashville's just a, a game or two back, I mean, and, and they had a, a the last three games that Nashville had were Quite easy, I guess, on paper, and, and they took advantage of those. So I am surprised. I think if you had asked me, you know, a month ago, um, if this would be how it shaped up, probably I'd say no. But um, yeah, when when Winnipeg failed to take advantage of all their opportunities, yeah, I could I can see how Nashville could sneak in there.
2: And, and looking at this too. The, the strength of schedule between those three teams. Nashville is kind of in the middle. Winnipeg had the more difficult one and St Louis had the easy one uh, as well. And so it, it went favorably for them and they face some adversity because in those last two games when you have a lot to play for, they go down two0 deficits to two non-playoff teams, but they're able to to battle back. And, and just looking at this hockey sense George, hockey wise, what does that mean when a team's able to, especially against an overall bad team? What does it mean for them to be able to at least finally get some pucks in the back of the net so to battle back and win those games that they really did have to, even though they were facing a deficit, which they haven't been able to do much at all this season?
0: I have to imagine there has to be some like confident feeling when you look over and you see Cam Ward in the other net. Like I, <laughs> It's got to be good for the ego. Um, yeah, I, there's definitely something to it. and. I think it's good. I think that the pairs being down, forced them to play more offensive style. And I think that's actually going to set them up better for the playoffs. Uh, just because, you know, it, it's kind of easy to go up by a goal and then say we're going to hold this lead for the next 50 minutes or so. But I think the best way to, to keep a lead is to extend it and to play in the, you know, play in your offensive zone. So I think that hopefully they, they learned something when they were, you know, they were getting warmed up playing against these bad teams. And hopefully now they'll be ready for the good ones.
2: Yeah, and, and we're going to see two stingy teams playing against each other. So, And you guys correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I'm foreseeing some 2-1 games, 3-2 games, 1-0 games, a couple overtime games coming up in this series because you have the, the teams in the top four. So Dallas was a second in terms of goals allowed, Predators fourth, and obviously – Decent goaltending. Both teams had good goaltending. Now, with Dallas, we don't know who they're going to start yet. There's some gamesmanship going on there because Godobin had strong games against the Predators, Ben Bishop in his career, not so much. We already know he's going to be a net, obviously, for the National Predators, Pecorine. But is that what you guys are thinking as well, is that it's going to be very low-scoring games, or do you think it could be the complete opposite of like what we saw with Winnipeg last year, we we're thinking, oh yeah, it's going to be very tight, and then all of a sudden you had high-scoring games. What what are you thinking at in, in terms of what you're seeing from the stats too, and what they're predicting this games these games are going to be like?
3: So, uh, but as you kind of alluded to, both Nashville and Dallas are pretty solid defensive teams, and we I think I like to think of Nashville as having a, a pretty clear advantage in goaltending over most teams. But Dallas is actually uh, one of the few exceptions there over the past couple months. Dallas has been getting some of the best goaltending in the league, especially in things like high danger scoring chances where, you know, it's, it's most likely that a goal will result from those chances. Dallas has been saving, I think about 6% more than than the average playoff team in those areas. Um, Nashville's a little bit above average in that uh, respect, but yeah, I was a little surprised to see how much of an advantage I think goaltending will be for Dallas. We've all seen what Pecorino can do when he's on. Um, And like you said, I don't, You know, Kudobin's played Nashville so well, it will be interesting to see if if they decide to give him the start in game one. I somehow doubt it. I think they'll probably go with Bishop. But either way, yeah, Dallas has been getting it done in the crease. So I think that it's it would be safe to expect some low-scoring games from this series. Especially with those 830 starts
2: is
0: when I'm fully expecting there to be. Overtime, right, George? Of course. (laughs) Uh, you got to remember, I'm a D-Gen, so I actually enjoy the late games.
2: (laughs) wow throwing that right out yeah. there yeah <laughs> so let's let's go ahead and, and let's go ahead and look at the x-factors for for these teams because when you say x-factors I mean there's obviously those players that you expect to step up those players that have the history of stepping up in the playoffs and everything of that sort too so I mean x-factor for me could be the player that I want to, that I think needs to step up even more because they're going to make a difference you, you have players that Should already be performing at a top level. I mean, you're expecting Victor Arvidsson to score goals. You're expecting Philip Forsberg to do it. You're expecting Ryan Johansson to produce offense. But aside from that, the X factors and who wants to step up. I mean, in terms of who I really would like to see make a difference is who a lot of people are talking about, Kyle Turris is if he can get offense production up, that immediately forces more depth on, on the Predators because that's what they've been kind of waiting for, and he's been having the right linemen. I know YouTube both discusses as well, too, is getting him with with Craig Smith and Mikhail Glenland to make sure that they're together. And then the third line back together as well, so the chemistry finally just hit, what, in the past couple weeks – to what we kind of wanted to see out of this team for a long period of time so Kyle Turris is that one for me that I'm saying if he can produce and he can start putting some assists on the board maybe get a a timely goal here or there he could be an x-factor because it's not something we've been seeing from him all season due to injury and low confidence things like that so Michael I'll start with you is who's one of your x-factor players for the Predators before we get to the stars
3: so we kind of know two things about this series I think one is that uh, Peter Laviolette's going to have a, a challenging time figuring out these line matchups. Dallas really has two pretty good uh, forward lines, and also we know that Nashville going to get nothing done on the power play. If if they did, that would be a huge shock. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think the first line, of the Johansson line, will be kind of um, hidden away or, or put up against the first the Dallas first line. So you know they might get somewhat. Negated throughout the series, so I think you're right to point out the second line, especially Kyle Turris. They're going to have an opportunity probably against Dallas's, sure. you know, more depth players. And I think that I, I, I agree that it's it's great to see Grenland, Turris, and Smith uh, together for several games. And I think they're really starting to work out, uh, especially their passing is just electric when when they're really moving the puck. So I I'll just to to have a different answer from you though. I'll call it Mikhail Grenland. He's yet to really make an impact. And I don't think that's his fault. I think that he's you know, for the first several games and in his predator's career, he was buried down on the third or even fourth line, and, and that's really not a not gonna get results uh from a winger. But I think that it's his time. You know, he's he's with his line mates that he's he's expected to produce with. Um I think he's got a great opportunity, probably against some more depth uh opposition. So yeah, I'll call out Mikhail Granlin. Let's see it, bud.
0: Yeah, I uh, I would probably agree with Michael. Uh, just looking at the last the last couple of games, uh, Mikhail Granlund, Craig Smith, and Kyle Turris have 78 minutes together, and they've combined for a uh, 52.35 Corsi, which is pretty good. But the best thing is they're actually outscoring in their uh, expected goal uh, ratio. They were they were expected to have four, and they were expected to give up just about or just a little bit under three, but they've only produced two so far. So they're getting a little bit unlucky. Uh, and that that shows in the fact that they have an on ice shooting percentage for 3.39%, like everything that could go wrong for them is kind of going <laughs> wrong. Um, we'll we'll see how it goes. I've really liked Mikhail Granlund a lot more mm-hmm. ever since they gave him line mates that can that can shoot and score. Absolutely. I mean, no offense to you know the third line, but uh, yeah, I think I think Craig Smith could be someone that you see get really hot now that he has a, a really good passer next to him. And I don't want to disparage Kevin Fiala because I thought he was also very good, but they never all they never they didn't see a ton of consistent minutes. No, yeah, no, you, you
2: both make very good points, so I think we're all kind of focusing on that second line because that's the, that's the the second line then overall is the X factor because if they do their job, first line does their job, that allows the third line to have those timely type goals and be a difference maker, which is what third lines are supposed to be in the playoffs, which is yeah. a timely goal here or there. You saw it with the HBK line, with, with Pittsburgh. You see it so many times. Teams prepare for those top two lines, and that third line If oh, bloop, they got a game-winning goal right there because you're not as prepared. The matchups with the defensive pairing – Make a huge difference like that, and so maybe you see Benino, sissons Watson do that as well. And Benino is—I know he was whipping boy a lot <laughs> before for you, George—but um, he's produced a little bit, and I mean, he's his high P, his PDO is ridiculous. We're expecting that to change, but do you think that's
0: going to? He can ride this wave through the playoffs before we have to go to break. If there's anything I've learned, it's that PDO is as. unknowable as the tides like i really i have no idea i'd love to say that it's not sustainable but then again victor arvidson just shot over 20 percent for Mm. like 40 games so who's to say (laughs) all right there you go so up next we
2: have sean shapiro of the athletic he covers the dallas stars he is stuck at the airport in dallas we're lucky to get him. we're doing some fixing around here so we're going to talk dallas stars up next here on penalty box radio listen to nashville's best sports talk espn 1025 the game And welcome back to Penalty to Box Radio, powered by E Six Ten Athletes. Justin Bradford, Michael Wade, George Rodriguez, intern Danielle, and producer Josh behind the glass. We're going to make this quick because I know he's getting on a plane to come to Nashville. His flight's been delayed. Sean Shapiro with Athletic. Thanks so much for joining us, Sean. Hey, Justin, how you doing? Oh, doing all right, man. We. What a, what a scheduled day for you, man. Uh, so let's get right into it. If you have to go, you have to go. We totally understand because we can't wait to see you here in Nashville for this series. So let's go ahead and kick it off right now with, with the Dallas Stars and what they've been able to do. They, they were having to battle in and really push forward to get into the series. What are you seeing out of the mindset of this team and the confidence level going into this series of what they had to accomplish during the regular season to make it?
1: Yeah, the Stars are a team will – I know Nashville's been playing really well, too, going into the series, which kind of makes the series kind of exciting for me. So you've got two teams that are playing their best hockey, I feel like, going into the playoffs. And the Stars are really a team who, in the last 20 games or so, if you look at the All-Star break, it's kind of the split. That's where they really embrace the identity of this defensive team, this group that is going to win games 3-2, 3-1. Um, they're going to reduce chances against. They're going to kind of play the long game where, they're not going to get up and down with teams, but they're going to kind of wait for their chance. And once they embrace that, they've really kind of grown as a team and really, and really got moving. And I think uh, we kind of saw that really, the true benefit of that coming together on a recent, uh, recent Western Canada road trip, where they went in and won in Winnipeg, won a big game in Winnipeg, they won a big game in Calgary, they took seven out of eight points, and that was really the stars I think we saw of confidence in a team that could win on the road and that's something this team this team was mentally fragile in the past I think we can all agree upon that last year when they lost eight in a row and missed the playoffs and this year a team that used to be kind of fragile was now tough and they were winning games like that
0: just wanted to ask you a quick question uh having sure. to deal with uh Tyler Sagan and Alexander Radulov uh I'm a big fan of both of their games what do you think the chances are that they're actually split up in this uh first round to try to I don't know separate the Predators' uh, scoring talent
1: uh, I don't think Sagan and Radulov probably won't be separated. They'll probably be on the same line. However, uh, Jamie Benn will probably be on his own line. they are probably looking at something along the lines, especially going into Game One at least, of Jason Dickinson playing with Sagan and Radulov, while Jamie Ben's probably playing with Rope Hints, and Matt Zuccarello. And uh, that's really kind of the big X factor in this series for Dallas is the Matt Zuccarello edition because Zuccarello joined Dallas at the trade deadline, um, got hurt, broke so his heart in the first game, only played one other game with Dallas, but. Two games at Dallas, which equated to about 32 minutes of total hockey. He had three points. The Stars scored 10 goals, 10 goals combined in the games he was in. Um, so the Stars are more balanced with Zuccarello and allowing Ben to be on his own line with Zuccarello. Um, I think they really like Sagan and Radulov together, and uh, so I think they'll stay together. And then as far as Ben with them, key moments you'll see Ben Sagan Radulov all back together. Um, just. They like to load them up in big moments, or yeah. on you know, special teams get in the way or on certain offensive zone plays.
0: Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I was just a little curious. I just I've seen uh, the, the numbers when Sagan and Radulov are uh, are separated. And they're actually both very, very good. So I, I was curious to see if that would happen. But I'm sure Jamie Ben can still drive that drive his own line by himself. Um, yeah,
1: if, yeah. And, and, if, and if we see them, not, if we see things not working. I, you could see it happen. You could see the regular drive in the line, but Ben has kind of been doing a pretty good job of that lately. And also Rope Hintz has really taken a big step as a second-line center in Dallas, and that's been a huge development for them in the last 15 games.
0: Yeah, it makes sense. Um, my, my other question for you was actually about coaching. Uh, a few years ago, we saw one of the most offensively talented teams in Dallas uh, just kind of score their way out of every problem they had until they couldn't. And then, uh, you know, we saw... Uh, Ken Hitchcock come in and totally transformed the team as, into a very more, more defensively-minded. What's something that you've seen Jim Montgomery come in do to either change the defensive system or to make it a little bit more stout? Because we we continue to see a really good defensive team down in Dallas. Um, I think the biggest
1: thing that Montgomery's done is, and I, and I, I think this is a really big thing to coach. He and recently, I spoke. I spoke with him and sat down with him last week, and we talked about embracing identity, embracing what he had. Um, he wanted to be more of a tough possession team. That's what he wanted the Stars to be. He did not have the pieces for that, and that's something that he realized and he started to uh, realize. Okay, we have to play different. We have to. We have to become this defensive team, and that's the biggest coaching him that I think he learned from is just. How do I play to the best of the strength I have? And as far as system and more specifics, you're going to see the stars, basically what they do is they take away rushes. They take away the middle, and they force teams to, to, to take, those, take those farther shots and, and allow somewhat more of a quantity while reducing the quality. And now, the stars goalies have been great, but one of the other reasons the are percentage is so high is you have to pick some credit for the defense, too, because they don't allow a lot of odd-man rushes, and they don't really let people get behind them. Um, really, the only team that did that this year was Chicago, and that's because Chicago kind of played a cherry-picking style where they just go and, and let things go the other way.
2: And again, Sean Shapiro, The Athletic, talking Dallas Stars with us a Penalty Box Radio. Sean, one last question, we'll let you go because we can hear the plane. Uh, Anton yeah. Kudobin <laughs> or Ben Bishop, who do you think gets the start? Who should get the start?
1: Uh, it's going to be Bishop, and it should be Bishop. I know Kudobin was great against Nashville this season, but Bishop is the best goal in the NHL this year. He... He, was, he led the league in safe percentage. He led the league in goals against average amongst qualified goalies. And depending on how they ruled Jordan Binnington's games played, um, if you want to go advanced, goals saved above average or whatever, he led the league in that. Um, so it'll be him in game one. However, Anton Higobin is the greatest insurance policy the Stars could have. If things go south or sideways, they know he goes and plays well in Nashville. So it'll be Bishop to start, and... But if Kudobin ends up in the series, the Stars aren't going to be too nervous because it's not the typical starter-backup situation.
2: Makes perfect sense. Well, Sean, safe travels. We'll see you in Nashville tomorrow night. Thanks so much for being available for us.
1: Yeah, thanks
2: for having me, guys. It helped me feel a little bit of the <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. All right, folks. Sean Shapiro of The Athletic covers the Dallas Stars. Does a fantastic job covering the Dallas Stars, and we wish him safe travels. His flight has been delayed now for over an hour, and he finally made himself available to come and talk to us. That is true dedication to to being media right there, is make yourself available while on the plane. You could hear the engines <laughs> roaring behind him. So I only imagine the people on the plane looking at him. Or Luckily, never had to hear a flight attendant. So, sir sir we need to put put it away sir uh so great information there great follow on twitter as well he's the one that broke all that the, the drama news as well with the Dallas Stars earlier this season so I mean what a what a case for them that they went through all this stuff with with ownership and management and everything too then they make the playoffs and make this kind of run when a team like that you've seen it before teams sometimes they're going under drama they just stop sometimes and they stop playing or they don't play for each other They're not playing for anything They just go out there it's their jobs to go play and they didn't they, they fought back so I think it's going to be an interesting matchup before I have to go to break here so guys Michael George I'll start with Michael since George had a
3: couple questions there Michael do you do you agree with the Ben Bishop thing absolutely I <clears throat> I think it's fun to sit and talk about you know specific <laughs> matchups like oh Kudovan you know he's a backup but against Nashville he's unbelievable you know maybe you can toy around with that in your head but I think when it comes to making your roster decision in a playoff game you just you go with your best goalie and you leave him out there as long as uh he earns that spot so yeah I'm not not terribly surprised but you know maybe a little less uh fun on the drama side <laughs> when, but we love drama in sports
2: it makes it so interesting yeah, yeah. it's the best uh, it's the best so in terms of looking at some of these numbers of what the Dallas Stars offer what do you think is going to be the most important thing now if you say score more goals you're fired <laughs> <laughs> what is going to be the most important thing, George, uh, for this Predators team to control the Stars, to make the games go in their favor? What's going to be an important aspect of these games for the Predators con- to control
0: it? Uh, not giving up quality chances. I'm pretty sure that's what Michael was about to say, but <laughs> like it, it really is something to to have the puck in the offensive zone for like four minutes at a time, but then give up that timely chance, and you know now all of a sudden you're down one nothing instead of in a game that you should be up one nothing. The big thing is to make sure that you're always coming back, you're always playing hard, and you know, you're bailing your goalie out when after he's bailed you out of for 82 games <laughs> yeah
2: he, he's definitely bailed them out a little bit michael
3: yeah so um unfortunately if you're a predators fan that one phrase that Sean used should really set off some alarm bells and he said that they're favoring a little more uh, quantity over over quality now Nashville has this really nasty habit when they're in the offensive zone of when they kind of face uh adversity in the in the the low slot, the really high-danger scoring areas. What they do is they just bring the puck as far back to the blue line as they can. They shoot from the corners. They try to get the screenshots, and they don't really have anyone screening the shots. Uh, so, if if that's the style that Dallas can can pull out for this best-of-seven series, I think Nashville would will really struggle with that. They really need to kind of stay focused on minimizing the low-quality shots. You know, maybe facing a bit more of you know maybe a a more physical game a slower game and try to get to those high danger areas i think that's really the key for nashville offensively
2: all right well up next we're going to talk more about those stats and what the predators can do to overcome that and then i'm going to ask the guys to take off those analytical caps and think with their their emotions that's all up next on penalty box radio you're listening to nashville's best sports talk espn 1025 the game (laughs) And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 Athletes. Justin Bradford. Michael Wade. George Rattarangus. Intern Danielle will be joining us next segment. And producer Josh behind the glass there. Predators. Stars. Coming up tomorrow night, 8.30 p.m. Folks are going to be pre-gaming it's going to be a drunk fest inside that arena. I can already tell. It's going to be loud. Hey, that's what helps build the atmosphere is people pregame for another two hours before the game instead of a seven o'clock. It's not going to be a late arriving crowd tomorrow night. It's going to be one that is definitely juiced. I've already started. <laughs> oh, that's what's in that bottle. <laughs> yeah. Is that a Jack and Diet Coke? Of course. Oh. I'm classy. And you have Michael over here with a LaCroix. Ooh, if you're fancy. LaCroix. Like, wow. LaCroix. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> Bless you. <laughs> so so let's look into the analytics for the series. We we've touched on it a lot already too, but we, we presented an article that Michael wrote <laughs> today saying that Preds fans might not like it. Now, the reason we presented it this way was you're basing it solely on the stats you're given and and running the model that way and it's not something that you were making that decision of, well, I think this. No, the stats were telling you this based on what you came up with. So explain this a little bit because I know people can to read the article, but explain a little bit more behind this and how you came to this conclusion because it's obviously not one that home fans are going to to really appreciate, but it gives an idea of how this series could go, and then we can talk about what the Predators need to do to avoid that because they still can make adjustments, and that's what you want to see is them to make adjustments and, and things of that sort. So, Michael, I'll hand it to you.
3: Yeah, so I had a lot of fun kind of playing with the numbers and and figuring out how to make this somewhat predictive. Um, And the things that I, some of the things that I really think are kind of key aspects to winning a hockey game, basically key aspects to scoring goals, what on ice kind of actions best allow you to score goals. And so, kind of the buzzword there, I think, for me is shot quality. Um, You know, we look at kind of like the most entry level analytic, quote unquote, Um, that's provided as shots on goal because that gives you a little more than just goals, right? You know, at least you can see kind of how the game is flowed. But when you look at, you can actually, you know, with player tracking and the things that we've, the people have developed um, and really make available in just a fantastic way these days, you can tell which teams are producing shots from which areas of the ice, uh, which teams defend better against those shots, which teams have better goaltending against those shots. Um, so, yeah, I kind of compiled this fun tool to see, based on other things, but especially how these teams are generating uh, quality scoring chances, how they're defending against those chances, and how they're saving those chances. Um, and then I, I just picked 100,000 games. I ran a 100,000-game simulation, and it says that, unfortunately, Nashville only has uh, just over a 35% chance. Of, uh, of getting the results in this case. I kind of cringed when that was the result because I know that I had to share that with other people with a lot of Preds <laughs> fans. Uh, yeah, but I want to emphasize there's like there's no element of my emotional attachment. I don't want the Predators to have a 35% chance necessarily. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, unfortunately, Dallas has just been kind of lights out in the past couple months. And their, their ability to create chances and, and limit um, ch- those quality chances against, it looks really, really nice on paper for sure. So as Doctor Strange did,
2: he went through 605 possible outcomes and only one where the Avengers would win. So at least it wasn't that kind of percentage.
3: Yeah, well when <laughs> you when you leave like a one in a hundred thousand chance, then you know that's going to happen because you've just tested fate. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so so George, based on, on what he saw there too, and we just dis- we discussed this at the end of last segment, what now can the Peters adjust? Is it one of those things we've only seen the lineup as it is for what, four games? Uh, with with the, with the lines the way they've been set with Fabro-Hamhus out there too and what, what they're going to potentially do because I'm ex- fully expecting that to be the third pairing and not, I don't know when, and Yannick <laughs> Weber. So what now can the Predators do to avoid this? What adjustments would you like them to see make besides just not allowing these high danger chances? What in terms of scheme or schematic or anything like that can they do?
0: It's gonna be a little bit tricky. Uh I think a lot of it is actually gonna to have to do with uh defending the blue line and defending the rush. Um Tyler Sagan, Jamie Benn, Alexander Radulov are all incredible talents as far as entering the offensive zone with possession. Uh standing them up is going to be tricky. I think I imagine that Peter Laviolette's probably going to put the Suban, um the Suban Echolm line on on Tyler Sagan, whoever he's with. Uh and I think that's probably the right decision. Over the last like three months or so they've been I think the second or third best pairing in the entire NHL, and they are just keep getting better and better. I think that's probably the right move. But overall, as far as schematics go, I would probably, I would probably actually, it's so tricky. I would probably actually have them do more high risk, high reward plays, standing them up at the blue line because if you give them an inch, those players are talented enough to take a mile, and they will find ways to get past you if you let them like far in enough. So sometimes the only hope is to stand them up and make them go offside or make them dump it in. Uh, sounds like a D-League strategy there, too. That's, I'm going to tell my boys, if you four-check
2: them, force them to make a play, do something, then they're not going to have as much space to work with. Hey, what do you know? Uh, so who's going to be the player that Alexander Radulov is going to concuss on a goal celebration? That's my biggest question right now, too.
3: Uh, for maximum drama, <laughs> I'm going to go probably Dante Fabro. Oh, God. <laughs>
2: Oh, man, but not Jason Arnott.
0: That's no. not what's going to happen. Well, I figured that like Sergei Kostitsin or something was going to come out of nowhere and just put an elbow right to... Oh, well, he's late I for a know. line change? Yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> They're somehow transport to Edmonton and have a horrible line change. Uh, so, moving on to special teams and everything, as we're working to take off some of those analytics hats now and change to that... Adam Vingan of The Athletic, uh, Robbie Stanley of NHL.com, was asked just about the Predators' power play and how it fared during each month. So looking at this, obviously we know the Predators' power play has been terrible. Just terrible. It's been terrible almost all season. But in the months of January and February, it was 5.3% and 8.7%. Also, the team was dealing with some injuries during that time. And and you look at March and April, 17.9% and 16.7%. Still abysmal given what league average should be. But is there hope? Should there be hope with what we've seen and with Dan Muse taking over the power play now from Kevin McCarthy? And that I've I've seen them do a little bit more of trying to be a little creative and taking risks. And it, it's backfired a little bit in terms of odd man rushes the other way. But at least they're moving around a little bit more. It's not always point shots. But do you agree with the strategy that they're still
0: running right now in the power play? No okay why uh, um i think that the spike that we're kind of seeing in their in their goal scoring is a little bit of regression to the mean but i think that what what they changed wasn't enough they're still over relying on those uh point shots and they are making they are starting to make more passes through the, through the slot and through that royal road but any team over a seven game period is going to create a counter you know a counter to that and it's not exactly hard to do instead of playing a box they'll probably start playing a diamond and We've seen the Dallas Stars actually do that a few times this season, so it's not out of you know out of nowhere to th- to say that they'll probably start doing that.
3: Yeah, and unfortunately for Nashville, they're probably not going to get that many chances either. Dallas over the regular season gave up relatively few, um, or took relatively few penalties. They, so they, just just under three basically per game is what you can expect. Uh, Dallas, so you could say that Nashville is going to get maybe two and a half on average power play opportunities per game. Now, if they had a league average power play, that could be half a goal per game on average. You know, you're talking over more than three goals over the course of a seven-game series just from power plays alone. They do not have anything close to a league average power play, and they don't show any signs of getting there anytime soon. So um, basically, I I think when you're looking at the, the projections for this, this matchup, I really think that you can't even factor in Nashville's power play. If they come back to any sort of effective scoring rate, it would be one of the most amazing statistical turnarounds. And I recognize that I am now setting them up to do just that. Oh, that's the strategy. Yeah, but no, I'm (laughs) with George. I'm I'm still really not impressed with the speed and and the passing lanes and the positioning and really any aspect of this power play. It it started maybe floundering and showing a bit of signs of life. About a month ago, I would start to be a bit more optimistic, but the scoring hasn't really come. So in that case, you know, what was the point of (laughs) – Making it better.
0: I mean, we we haven't even talked about like they're entering the zone, which is still atrocious. Like, we we haven't seen that get better. That's a pet peeve. They still, (laughs) they still love that, that drop, that drop into the the cross. But it's just, it's so predictable. Like, I mean, we all know it's coming. Yeah. We all know.
2: They're trying to slingshot just like in uh, Talladega Nights is (laughs) what it's like. Slingshot, engage (laughs) is what it seems like to me. That's what I'm saying in my head whenever they do it. Uh, So. So, we have just a couple minutes left in this segment. So, I want you to let's put emotions into this now, too. And, and obviously, it, it's one of those things that emotions get into it. But looking at this, what is your confidence level that the Predators can win this series? And if you do think that, how many games do you I know we're getting into prediction time here. George, i will start with you. Do you think the Predators win this series? And if so, how many do you think it's going to be Dallas Stars, a coin flip like to game seven? What are your thoughts on this?
0: I think it does go to game seven. Uh, as long as Ben Bishop stays healthy, uh, it's just, it's so tricky. It's, it's so.
2: The West is hard this season I think yeah.
0: too. Uh, I mean Dallas, Dallas could easily just lock this series down and they could win a bunch of one nothing games but then again so could the Predators. Like right. we just we won't know until we kind of see game 1 and we see if Laviolette's going to do hard matchups and if instead of rolling 1 2 3 he rolls 1 3 2 and tries to create mismatches and I'm not necessarily so sure that that third line could handle Jamie Benton. Oh right.
2: So do you not feel comfortable making a prediction?
0: I mean, I never feel comfortable making a prediction because that—that's how that's how you get uh, on old takes exposed or whatever it is.
2: Yeah, that means people would have to listen. They'd have to post the audio of that though, which I'll—I'll I'll make sure I do. Yeah, you know what? Stars in seven. Okay. Whoa, Michael, what are your thoughts on this?
3: So, uh, George and I did a podcast last night, and I think the closest that I got to um, kind of an emotional prediction on this is I think that the the winner of Game One probably will go on to win the series. Statistically, that's what happens, right? That's, I mean, (laughs) yeah, like, jokes aside, winning game one is probably the most, you know, the quickest way to impact your projection of the whole series. But I think that when you look at this, like Dallas only won four fewer games than Nashville over the regular season. So they're coming in as, you know, the quote-unquote underdog. But the Central Division was so tight this year. Um, But on paper, they are still the underdog. They have, you know, they don't have home ice advantage. So I think if Nashville can kind of just – you know set the tone from day one you know you're going to be in our building more often than not um in spite of recent trends it's still a difficult place to to play hockey if you're an opposing team now that said if dallas comes in and kind of you know shocks i guess the the hockey world and and wins game one in nashville they're gonna they're gonna feel really confident um you know, you're never in trouble until you lose at home. Mm-hmm. I think in the playoffs, that's kind of the old adage, and I, I think there's some truth to that. I, spe- I mean, especially when you have four home games, then yeah, you're definitely not in trouble until you lose at home. But, um,
2: prediction, Michael, we need uh, your prediction. Prediction, do it. Your I've, your actual prediction your prediction.
3: I'm, you gonna predict, I'm also going to predict the stars and I think I'm also going to predict the stars in 7 cuz I don't I just don't feel comfortable predicting Okay, folks, that is George
2: week. M1019 <laughs> and Wade <laughs> M117. You can tweet your hate on Twitter. Do you want me to lie? I can no, lie. No, just no, ask me. No, I just think it's I, Hey, it is I'd rather you be fully honest and then when if something does happen, you can say told you so. Because, instead that of lying about it. That is truly the
3: essence of life. That is like, what yeah. it's all about.
2: Yeah, especially for a statistician.
3: Yeah. <laughs> all right.
2: Well, completely going against what you all say because I'm thinking more with other with my eye test and what I think. I'm going Preds in five. So, and George okay. just <laughs> yeah, completely yeah. scoffed <laughs> at me on that one. Oh, that's, a, that's a gutsy take and I, I like that. <laughs> it
0: is gutsy. Yeah, yeah I don't it hate it. It is gutsy. It. It's just I, I look forward to posting that audio.
2: Because... <laughs> It could swing. It could swing, and I, I think it's one of those things too. If, if teams figure it out, and if the Predators do get compl- actually hot and sh- show the and skate to the talent level that they are capable of doing, which you have not seen them execute very well all season, aside from the very beginning of the season, was which is when they looked like a team that could be number one in, in the conference and everything. We haven't seen that. So that that is a gutsy take. It, it may be a little homerish, but who knows? As the playoffs, anything can happen, right? All right, up next, we have two dumb things said on Brett's Facebook and, hey, one dumb thing said on Blue's Twitter, plus your questions, we're going to answer them here next on Penalty Box Radio on Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN, 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, powered by E610 athletes, Justin Bradford, Michael Wade, George Manorangas, intern Danielle, Josh Opton behind the glass. I'm going to wrap it up here. We have a few dumb things that I found. Just remember, folks, if you say something dumb, I'm going to see it and I will talk about your smug, stupid butt on air because it's fun. It's really fun. So that's the joy of managing a group of 28,000 people. Because there's going to be plenty of dummies in it. Okay, let's start off with this one. Dumb things found on Preds Facebook. If I was the Preds, I'd pack up my toys and move someplace with cooler fans. Bunch of redneck hicks. Got no one else to fight with, so we pick on family. So... (laughs) This was on the Preds Facebook? (laughs) This is is a Preds fan. Their icon picture was a Preds logo.
3: Self-hating Preds fan. (laughs)
2: Self-hating. If I... (laughs) Wants the team to move. Just move the team because fans are acting like fans. You- he's probably he's probably from Hamilton. <laughs> I mean, we all know this. Every fan base has idiots, right? Every fan base has yeah. people at hot take Every overreacting. Every fan base is
3: primarily idiots. Yeah,
2: they're fans, fanatics, right? Oi, okay. Next one, Brown on Fred's Facebook. If anyone has any influence with the Nashville Tennessean, can they please get them to keep Joe Rexroad from ever writing again about the Predators? I,
3: for one, would love to read articles from a positive point of view. So you know this person's <laughs> like 80 because they called it the Nashville Tennessean, right? right? Which hasn't been its name in some time.
2: And, and here's the thing. I went and looked at the previous post, because you can do that as an admin, and a quarter of the person's posts in this group have been complaining about Joe Rexroad. <laughs> <laughs> Who is a columnist. Folks, if you don't know what a columnist is, they're supposed to have opinions, and it's not always going to match. And the article he's talking about was on point with how the Predators have been this season, which is inconsistent. No one's disagreeing with that. Even the Predators
3: wouldn't disagree with that. That's a, that's like a poetic <laughs> takedown. I think I really kind of liked the composition yeah. of that. Post. I, for one. Yes. For ever <laughs> writing another article <laughs> again.
2: Oh, my gosh. If, if you don't realize how, how blessed, B-L-E-S-T... <laughs> this area is to have Joe Rexwood as a columnist. Uh, I you should see other columnists. Really, just go. I'm just saying. He's fantastic. And I mean he'll he'll keep up his word too if you if you didn't see he painted the anchor on his forehead because he incorrectly said that the fan of a commerce would not fire their head coach. So hey, he lives up to his word. Okay, this was a dumb thing found on blues Twitter from a Jake Barkzuski. He dumb no, literally, yours is BS. Vegas beat you in the conference final, so why do you have a banner saying you're the Western Conference champs? Have the Predators and the Vegas Golden Knights ever faced each other in the playoffs? Not to my knowledge. Not to That's my recollection.
3: 10-4 no-sir. No, <laughs> From their one season of recall, yeah.
2: no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't recall them losing to Vegas in, in there. And then the thing is, if you look at this dude's thread, he continued to argue it. <laughs> So it wasn't even trolling. He really thought the Predators lost to the Vegas Golden Knights in the Stanley Cup playoffs to win the Western Conference Championship. Anyways, I digress. See, folks, we pick on every fan base here. Just wait until the playoffs go deeper. We'll find stupid everywhere. Because it's right in front of your face, usually. Just wait, Hey, George, just wait
0: for like a week or so. You can pick on me as a Dumb Sharks fan. <laughs> there Is you. that why you had George sit across from you so <laughs> yeah. you could make that joke? I've yeah. been having it in the bank the whole time. <laughs> Come on, man. Aren't you a Martin Jones fan? Please don't bring up his name in front of me.
2: <laughs> okay. All right. This one's from Peyton Turnage. Dan, intern Danielle, welcome to welcome to the show. Uh, if not Tampa, then who? who it, it, let's take the Predators and Tampa away. Who else would be a Stanley Cup favorite for you?
4: You know, um, if Tampa doesn't take it all, I'm going to have to go with Boston or Nashville. I'm torn between okay. the two. I think that if Boston gets Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron back and adds them back to their talent, I think that they have the skill to go all the way. And with Nashville, they have all of the puzzle pieces. We have our skill, our physicality, and I think that it's all going to fall in line for them. And I think that they could put it together.
2: All right, they could, and any team could put anything can happen in the playoffs. So, Michael, George, if not Tampa, then who? And let's
0: not make Nashville even an answer. Who else has this opportunity? Uh, I'm a very big Vegas Golden Knights guy. Uh, they're good. Ever since adding uh, Mark Stone, they're just they're a different team. I mean, I. Mark Stone was probably, I think, he, uh, according to Evolving Wild, he was the best player as far as a wins above replacement went this season. And quite frankly, it's hard to disagree when you watch him. He's just, he turned that second line around. And him, Alex Tuck, and uh, I think it was or yeah, him and Max Petrietti have just been on fire recently. That, uh, including um, Jonathan so and Riley Smith and William Carlson, that's a top six to be reckoned with.
2: Absolutely. And they've only gotten stronger. Yeah. <laughs> Michael?
3: So my heart says Carolina. Oh, I
2: love you. We're talking with your heart.
3: American, yeah, well, America's I can talk team. emotionally about Carolina. <laughs> Carolina. <laughs> no, uh, my my head probably says uh, it's tricky to to get on the uh, Jake the Snake wagon, but I think uh, St. Louis. I think they really Ooh. do have the talent. It could be Jordan Bennington, though. That's true. I mean, they yeah, it doesn't have to be uh, <laughs> Allen, but you know, goaltending is. I, th- I would argue the most important characteristic for a playoff mm-hmm. team. So if if there's any <laughs> question mark saying. there, yeah, right. Sorry. Yeah, you, you ask if you ask if uh, George is a Martin Jones fan. I've yeah. actually been to several Predators games against the Sharks with George. He is the he is like in a Sharks shirt, the loudest chanting Martin Jones. You <laughs> suck.
2: <laughs> it hurts so good. I, I'm sure it does. Okay, Susan Burrow asks. Would you change the fourth line with all healthy players? I mean, Peter Laviolette even believed said that all players should be ready to go, including Rocco Grimaldi. And I assume this is the point to where people are wondering, with Wayne Simmons, given his production level, and Rocco Grimaldi, just because of his speed and everything of that sort, would you put Rocco Grimaldi in over Wayne Simmons? Danielle, what what are your thoughts on this?
4: You know, I think that this series against Dallas is definitely going to be physical, but I would put Rocco Grimaldi in. I think that his speed, I mean, we have, you know, we all could agree that Nashville has players like Brian Boyle and we have players that can take care of that physical aspect. But Rocco Grimaldi has so much skill and speed that I think it might be worth a try, especially if we get to a game five or a game six and the physicality just isn't working for them. I think it's worth a shot.
2: And it could be a matchup thing, too, and who gets last change. And that's where I even see if if the whole question of Fabro and how you're going to protect him and which team's going to get the last change, do you switch it up in Dallas or what's working what whatnot, Rocco Grimaldi I think it would be a better opportunity at home given the last change. George or Michael with that, Would you would you replace Simmons with Grimaldi or keep
0: Simmons in there? i would probably replace simmons with grimaldi uh simmons has not been good all season long and to be fair it's not entirely his fault to be fair to be fair uh power forwards have a very set expiration date and when they get hip surgery it oftentimes doesn't make anything better um i think that taking him out maybe starting him the first two games but giving him very spared minutes and then maybe giving him a giving those minutes over to rocco grimaldi would probably be the best move
2: all right i'd love to see grimaldi out there you know he's excited to be here well folks Thank you so much for tuning in, for Michael, for George, for Danielle, for producer Josh. Thanks so much for tuning in to Penalty Box Radio. Up next, I'm joining Ryan Porth for two more hours of Predators coverage on the Stanley Cup Playoff Preview. Thanks for tuning in to Penalty Box Radio. You're listening to Nashville's best sports talk, ESPN 1025, The Game.